It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Hi, it's Sam, and welcome to Radio Headspace into Monday Morning. So lately, I've been reflecting on how grateful I am to have work-life balance right now. I was remembering how it wasn't always like this. A few years ago, I encountered a peak of stress that I hadn't felt before. I was trying to finish two master's degrees, one of which required live meetings in a time zone nine hours ahead, while working full-time and dealing with a major loss. It was a really tough time. Sometimes I told myself that I should be able to do all of this. I'd say things to myself like, you've worked this hard before, and in college you were able to pull all-nighters and finish papers the night before. But I had to accept that my sleep needs had changed and that this way of doing things just didn't work for me anymore. I remember many tearful nights in therapy sessions trying to figure out how to manage all of the demands. I remember my therapist asking me, if your stress could speak, what would it say? As I listened to this inner voice, it asked me to please take something, anything, off my plate. It was a clear and desperate plea, and I listened. I put one of my master's degrees on hold and concentrated on my other work. I also gave myself permission to rest and restore my energy in whatever way I was craving without judgment or pressure to be social. Most of us can recall times when we've ignored our body and something eventually forces us to stop. 
There are a lot of ways that our bodies tell us that we've pushed ourselves too far for too long. Maybe our immune system gets depleted and we get sick, or our back goes out from a lack of stretching and moving. Before I came to Headspace, I had a very stressful job where I had to balance teaching hours of mindfulness a day to very stressed out employees and work on strategies for selling our product. One day I was talking through my feelings with an old coworker. He was a rock climber and told me that the differences in our approach to stress reminded him of different approaches to climbing. He said that there are two types of climbers, the one who pushes past their discomfort and ends up injured a lot of the time, and the other type of climber who notices early signs of stress and backs off, taking longer to get to the top, but arriving alive and healthy. He said that he'd always been the former while he saw me as the latter. We talked about how our generational differences and the context of the corporate climate in America factored into expectations around work. Though it's far from perfect, I'm so glad there have been huge shifts toward a more humane work environment in recent years. The experience helped me to clarify my priorities and needs surrounding work. Later, living in Sweden showed me just how much culture influences work climates. When I lived in Sweden, I met people who were on sick leave as they were officially burned out. I learned how simplified the process of taking sick leave was for Swedes. They see their doctor, explain how stressed they're feeling, and work together to monitor improvement. There are no time limits to sick leave, and the government provides 80% of each person's salary while they're on leave. Healthcare providers work with people to determine how to slowly adjust back to work, starting with fractions of full-time status until they're ready to return fully. And there's no shame in taking this leave. Many people I've spoken with have taken it before. When I first imagined this process coming to the States, I thought everyone would be on leave because so many of us are overworked and stressed. All of this inspired me to think deeply about self-care. What do we mean when we encourage self-care and where do we start? Lately, I've seen many posts on social media encouraging self-care. Many people list things to do to care for yourself like taking a bath, exercising, socializing, and eating well. And these are great suggestions and we often need to be reminded to engage in such activities. However, self-care goes much deeper. It involves how we speak to ourselves the boundaries that we have, and the sensitivity of our awareness cultivated through mindfulness practices. It also involves looking into our past and exploring ways that we can parent ourselves through compassion and rewriting our internal scripts. I started to think of self-care as a series of micro-steps and habits that make up a lifestyle and a set of values that we choose to prioritize every day. Two fundamental habits important in cultivating self-care are developing a keen awareness of body sensations and increasing the granularity of your emotional awareness. Whenever we do a body scan, we're paying close attention to subtle sensations like fluctuations in our heartbeat, the temperature shifts that we notice, and varying degrees of tension that we may be unknowingly holding on to. As you develop more intimacy with yourself through meditation and contemplation, you start to see patterns and reoccurring emotions and moods. When you pause to really investigate the emotions, you may see that it's something more nuanced than you initially thought. Seeing the full range and depth of our emotions helps us to understand what we're needing. 
it also helps to relieve a great deal of confusion and start to change habits that are being driven by unacknowledged emotions and needs. As we discover more layers to ourselves and notice the first signs of stress by noticing subtle shifts and sensations, we become the skillful climber, pausing to take a breath, restore, and patiently begin to climb again when we're good and ready. So this week, if you're feeling particularly stressed at work or in your life, take a moment to listen to what your body is telling you. Do you need to establish a self-care practice? Or is a more radical shift needed? whether that be some time away or a new career direction. You don't have to have an answer, but start noticing what comes up and see if you can't make a little time for self-care today. Well, that's it for me for today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you back here tomorrow.